Well, Happy New Year, church. Good to see you. Uh, glad to be back from our little quick little trip to uh, Wisconsin. And uh, if you're visiting with us today, we're glad that you're with us. Could I tell you one thing? Um, the new edition of, of Life Words is in. And so if um, those of you that may be following along with us on this, they're available. They're sitting in the coffee table there in, in the office right here. If you're visiting with us today, uh, these are free for you. Uh, if you're uh, a regular attender here, they're $6. And uh, that means that I get to make 62 cents off of each one that I sell, okay? So... Um, so uh, if you would like some of these, they're in the, uh, in coffee, they're in the office, lit on the coffee table. We've got some of the first editions that are still out there. They're out on the information table. If you're visiting, you can take either one of these that you would like uh, today uh, free. Um, I apologize for my voice today. Uh, this is not me trying to be one of the cool pastors. You, know, you go to the new church of the cool pastors, they drink with coffee in their hand. They, they're like this, you know, and they got coffee in their hands and they got holes in their jeans and stuff. That's not me. I've, I've gave up being cool a long time ago, but I got lemon and honey in here that helps my throat. So um, if, uh, if I take a swig out of that every now and then, please uh, excuse me on that. We're starting a new sermon series today. It's called Step by Step. Everything we do in life is step by step. Nothing in life happens in leaps and bounds. And I think we could spend the rest of the time giving examples of that, but you know that. Uh, the Christian life is no different. Um, everything in the Christian life is step by step. Now, I said that one time in a, in a message, and somebody came up to me afterwards and said, well, it's not step by step to get saved. Well, yeah, uh, you get saved by a choice and a decision, but there's been a whole lot of steps that got you to that point that you make that decision. Nobody comes into church uh, an out-and-out -out atheist and get saved that day. And no one comes in church with no knowledge of church, no knowledge of Bible, no knowledge of God, and goes from there to getting saved. It's always a process to get up to that moment of decision where someone uh, is born again and someone accepts Jesus Christ. And it's no different as we grow as a Christian either. It's all step by step. You have a business. You, your, your business doesn't blossom to a huge business in one day. It's week after week and month after month and year after year. My son Christopher likes to lift weights, and, and he hasn't, uh, won't get to a goal of, of bench pressing X amount overnight. It just, he goes up five pounds one week. He may go up, go up three pounds another week, five pounds another week, and it's step by step. Everything in life is step by step. You hear that, you hear things about love at first sight, Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but more often than that, it's not. It's, it's a step-by-step -step process when you learn about someone and you, and, you, and you enjoy their company and you grow to love that person. Step-by-step -step is how you grow as a Christian. So for the next five weeks, we're going to challenge you as I challenge myself when I write these messages on how, <coughs> excuse me, on what kind of steps we need to make in the Christian life because from where, wherever you are right now, there is a step to take. And let me tell you this, and, and I'll say this later on in, in the weeks to come, there is never a last step. There's never a step where you reach the top of Mount Everest in the Christian life. And, and, and any step you make, there's going to be another one until the day you die. H.C. Morrison was an early founder of Asbury Seminary 
the last time he preached at Asbury Seminary was the age of 93 years of age. And he titled that message was, The New Things That God Is Teaching Me. My mother, <clears throat> at 91, has new areas of trust at 91, right? There's new areas of trust. There's new areas of faith. There's always a step to be taken. The next, step, next steps seem to be hard sometimes. People, a lot of times, are, are stubborn and don't take next steps. Or maybe it's not, it's not stubborn, it's just maybe an inability to do that for some reason. Um, somebody one time gave me a, little, a round little piece of wood that they cut out. And they wrote on it, T-U-I-T, to it. It was a round to it because everybody says, one day I'm going to get a round to it. And so I'm giving you a round to it. Some people don't get a round to it, whatever that may be. That could be a lot of things in life. But some people just don't get around to it. I don't know if you're a fan of Shark Tank. I'm a big fan of Shark Tank. I can binge watch Shark Tank a lot. You know what? Half of those ideas I had. I really did. But I didn't do anything about it. Those, those guys and those gals that come with those ideas on Shark Tank, they're not geniuses. They did something about their dream. They had an idea and they acted on it. A lot of people just don't act on it. They never get around to it. Some people have fear of the unknown because when you step out with God, you don't know what's at the other end of that road. Listen, you're going to have a hard time with a Christian life if you have to have it all figured out. If you're the type of person that's got to have it all figured out and you've got to know what's the end of the road before you take a step, uh, a Christian life is not for you. Because we have to step out on faith. One of my favorite songs of current, well, it's not current, it's 30 years old, but of the, of the new wave of worship music that started right back in the 1990s was sung and written by Rich Mullins. Rich is, um, I'm a fan of Rich Mullins. He died in 1997 in a, in a car accident. Uh, but I really like Rich. I really like his lyrics. He was incredibly honest. He struggled in his walk with God but wasn't afraid to talk about that in his songs. He had enough confidence and faith in God to admit that and be honest about that, not just try to be super-duper Christian. And uh, Rich Mullins ministers to me, uh, even now, 24 years or whatever it is after his death, I want to play you this song, and um, this song goes well with this sermon series, and I'm going to get Josh to work this song up, that you've sung this song in the history of your church, but it's been a long time ago, because this song was 1993, maybe, and, and, and that's a long time ago. With all the new music that we have coming out, that's a, that's a long time ago in the music world. But uh, I want you to hear this song and hear the truth of it. It goes very well with what we're talking about for the next five weeks. Sometimes the sea was too 
Now here's the part you know. Oh, that's a really good song. You know, one thing I liked about Rich, this had nothing to do with the message, but one thing I liked about Rich, he always finished his concerts. He, didn't, he wouldn't come back for an encore because he thought that was too entertainment-ish. And so his last song they'd ever sang, he had people stand up and sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all. And he just walked off. I, I, respect, I got a lot of respect for that. His songs are good, and I, I would encourage you to YouTube Rich Mullins and, and Google him and learn a lot about him. But he sung that our Christian life is step by step. And faith doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out, but you do have to take a step. And, and that's risky at times because some of us like to have it figured out. We want to know where we're heading before we start. And let me tell you, if there's no risk, there's no faith. There really isn't. If there's no risk, there's no faith, faith at all. There's, 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 if there's, when there's no faith, there's no blessing. When there's no faith, there's no reward. When there's no faith, there's no miracles. And it takes that step, one step, not three steps. God, God doesn't care about you taking three steps. He cares about you taking this step. He's worried about you taking the next step, whatever that may be for you. And I'm going to challenge you for these next 
five weeks. I'm going to suggest some next steps, but I'm more concerned with you listening to God's Holy Spirit and be able to say, what's the next step for me in my life? Biblical characters were full of risk-takers and full of people that took steps, didn't have things all figured out. Noah built a boat in the desert. Talk about risky. Talk about faith. By faith, the Bible says, Noah built a boat in the desert. Abraham, this is how God is. Abraham, and, and Rich just sung about Abraham. Abraham was called to go to a land, and Abraham, and Abraham goes, well, where, where am I going? I'll tell you when you get there, God says. That's our God now, because he wants you to act on faith. If, if you want to have it all figured out, then Christianity's not for you. If you've got to have every little I dotted and T crossed, then Christianity is not for you because without faith, you can't please him. Without faith, you cannot please him. How much faith, what kind of a risk was it when Moses went into the Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the world at that time, and said, let my people go? <laughs> that was nuts. <laughs> I'm telling friends, where there's no risk, there's no faith and if you like to play it cool and like to play it comfortable and like staying in a little safe zone and everything's real comfortable for you you will never grow in the christian life you won't because it requires steps some of you know your bibles where well. remember queen esther she went in to the king's presence unannounced and that's no big deal for us but it was a big deal in her day and time she went into king exercise um, presence, unannounced, unannounced to be able to ask something of him. The Old Testament prophets looked at the people of Israel and says, you are not living the way you should be living. God will bring judgment on you. Now, that was a risky thing. You fire preachers nowadays when they come say stuff like that. Paul spoke to unbelieving Gentiles took a step, took a risk, unbelieving Gentiles, cost him his life. The next step is not a comfortable step. The next step is not one that you'll take easily. The next step is not one that's in your comfort zone. But if you don't take it, you'll stay right where you are. And can I say something? Christians that never grow and stay right where they are and they're spiritual infants to the day they die. Can I say something that some of you are not going to like? I hope they make it to heaven. I hope they do. But I'm not sure. How can you resist the call of God's Holy Spirit to take a step, take a step, take a step? The Bible says do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Step by step. Oh, God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I'll seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways. Step by step, you lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. 
There's abundant life, John 10, 10. There's abundant life that Jesus has come to give us. Life to the full starts with step. It continues with the next one and the next one in the hundreds and thousands of steps that there are along the way. J.C. Penney, I guess at one time, pennies and some of you old enough to remember Montgomery Wards, aren't you? Y'all know what Montgomery Wards is? Look, 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 Montgomery Wards? Sears. Oh, they, they were, they were, they were the big time, right? Big time. J.C. Penney says the, the hardest step is the first one. The hardest sale will always be the first one. Everything in life happens step by step. If I want to stay in my comfort zone as a tennis player, and just play against people that I'm better than and I can feel really good and I go out there and play and I feel really good and I beat them really bad, I'm not growing as a tennis player. I need to, need to take a step as a tennis player. Risk, what do you mean risk on a tennis court? Why well, I need to risk getting beat 6-0-6-0. That's the only way I will get any better. That's the only way I will get any better. I'm here to tell you this morning that the next step that you will take in your spiritual life is um, a step of faith. Did you know that, um, I look at Dave Bean back here, do you know that farmers are gamblers? Did you know they are? They're gamblers. They stick all this money in the ground and they're hoping for a big payoff. They're risk takers. No risk. No farming. The Bible talks about that in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. The Bible says, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Well, the wind's just not exactly right today. We better wait another day. We, we, you know, maybe it's too, too much wind, not enough wind. Uh, whoever looks at the clouds, well, you know, it may rain, it may not rain. It, it, it's a little cloudy today. That verse says, if, you, if you're not willing to t step out and take a risk, you'll never farm. And you'll never do anything spiritually either. I'm here to tell you this morning that the, the next step is normal. That's what I've been telling you. It's, next steps are normal. And probably I should have worded that better. I should have said the next step is biblical. Because the Bible shows us that it's step by step all the way. It's not this instantaneous growth. Wouldn't it be cool if God came along with his holy sledgehammer and just knocked us over the head and all of a sudden we were mature saints and we were, we were spiritually mature, but he doesn't do that. It's step by step. The next step is biblical. The next step is normal. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about it. 1 Corinthians 3 says, Brothers and sisters, I just can't address you as people who live by the Spirit. I have to address you as worldly people. Mere infants in Christ. Paul says, you know, I'd really like to be able to address you and talk about deeper things, but I, I, I've got to address you as mere infants in Christ. Now, there's nothing wrong with being an infant in Christ if you've just came, come to faith. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's the natural process. It's normal. It's normal. Infants in Christ don't know anything. They don't know where the book of Job is, okay? They don't know anything. 
And they start taking steps of spiritual maturity. But Paul here is saying uh, to some people, he says, man, you should have grown up by now. Now, I get fired if I go around to, to and say, hey, man, you should have grown up by now. Hey, hon, sister, you should have grown up by now. That's what Paul's saying to the church at Corinth. And if you read through the whole letter of 1 Corinthians, it's a letter written to a sinful church that had a whole lot of things going wrong. And he says, I can't address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. And then he goes on in verse 2 to be able to continue, and he says, I gave you milk. Nothing wrong with giving milk to babies. You have to give milk to babies. They can't handle anything else. But he says, I could only give you milk, not solid food, for you weren't ready for solid food yet. You weren't ready for the meat of the word yet. I'm trying to tell you the next steps are biblical. Next steps are, are normal. It's the way you grow step by step, and that's exhibited in many places. You are still not ready for it, Paul says, with a little bit of um, impatience in his voice maybe. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul continues on the, the same realm. After saying some things, he says, if you do this, then you will no longer be infants. Tossed back and forth by the waves. You know how someone is a, um, a babe? They don't know what they believe. They're tossed back and forth. Uh, somebody speaks really good over here, they believe that. Somebody speaks really good over here, they believe that. They don't know what they believe because they're an infant. They haven't been around long enough. So they're tossed back and forth by the waves. Well, that sounds good. I'll go believe this. That sounds good. I'll go believe this. That book was good. I guess I believe that. No, this book was good. I guess I'll believe that. They haven't lived long enough to understand what, who they are and what they really believe. You'll no longer be infants because with infants you're tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Don't you know, friends, don't you know of all the people that have left churches because of the teaching and the craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Oh, this sounds good. Oh, this sounds good. Oh, this sounds good. Oh, this sounds good. Oh, this guy's a really good speaker. They're blowing, blown here and there they, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of pastors in their deceitful scheming. <laughs> First Peter chapter 2, Peter says, same thing. He says, like newborn babes, crave milk. That's really good. So that you will grow up. There's a growing up. There's infants. There's maturity. There's growing up in the Christian life. Paul tells new Christians, desire the milk of the word. Desire spiritual milk so you will grow up. Next steps are normal. The only way you grow up is step by step. One step, one step, another step, another step. J.C. Ryle is a pastor and a biblical interpreter from the 19th century, and he says this, Gradual growth in grace, this I see clearly taught and urged in Scripture and clearly exemplified in the lives of God's saints. Sudden, instantaneous leaps from conversion to consecration, I fail to see in the Bible. Amen.
sudden leaps from infancy to spiritual maturity, I fail to see in the Bible. This is not there. So I'm telling you that if you want to grow as a Christian, it's going to be a long soul process. It's going to be a long process. You know, it's going to be day after day after day of doing what you know is right. No, no, no churches can, can, can give you some special deal so you grow faster. No, it's, it's day by day, step by step, one foot in front of the other. But I can also tell you that the, uh, the next step for you, whatever that may be, and by the way, don't worry about that step that's five steps down the road. Worry about the one right in front of you. That one. Do you know that step is not automatic? It's not automatic. God has granted you free will. And if you want to stay a baby Christian the rest of your life, you can. And I hope that you're still considered a Christian. But I don't know. If you never want to grow, if you want to stay a spiritual infant, after, after all, chronological age as a Christian has nothing to do with spiritual maturity. There are people in here that have been Christians for three years that are probably more mature than people who have been Christians for 30 years because they've taken steps. Chronological age has got nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. It's as you, have you taken the steps? Have you laid yourself before his grace to allow you to grow up? The next step is not automatic. It's just not. You can stay a baby if you want to. Well, that's pretty harsh, Mark, you know, for a New Year's message. Mark, that's pretty harsh, you know. I, I think it's biblical. I'm not telling you anything the scriptures don't say. If you want to stay a baby Christian, just come on Sunday morning, that's all you do, and receive, 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 receive. But never apply, never apply, ne ne never, never learn how to feed others. You just receive, 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 receive. You'll grow fat and sassy. You'll grow fat and sassy. God will let you do that. And like I say, I hope you make it to heaven. But the Christian life is one is pictured all the way in the Bible as one of growth. And you cannot, you cannot get around that. One of the great frustrations of pastors when we sit around and talk are people in our churches that just sit there and never, ever grow. They're there every Sunday. They may drop some money in the offering plate, but they never, ever have grown. Hebrews chapter 5, the writer to the Hebrews, whoever that was, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, and he, but, this, but whoever the writer was was kind of irritated right now. He says, by this time you ought to be teachers, but you still need someone to teach to you the elementary truths of God's word. You need milk, not solid food. Now, that, the, the writer, whoever that was, is rather perturbed. Hey, hey Nazarenes, hey Baptists, hey Methodists. 
Hey, you people don't know who you are, you non-nominational people. You ought to be teachers by now. Instead, you still need somebody to teach you. The elementary truths of God's Word all over again. I'm telling you that the next step is not automatic. There were people in biblical times that had never grown up. And the Bible doesn't speak well of them. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul writes, Therefore, my friends, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but when I wasn't with you, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He didn't say work, work on. He said work it out. When I, when I read that, I think of a washcloth and you get it full with water and you take that washcloth and you, you wring it out and you get every bit of water out of that washcloth that you possibly can. And I, I think that about my salvation. I want to get every single bit out of this act of grace that I possibly can. I want to wring all the grace out that I possibly can. Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The next step is not automatic. We've got, in the body of Christ, we've got 50, 60, 70, and 80-year-olds babes. Right, Harold? You know that. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a babe if you've come, first come to, if you just come to Jesus, whether you're 20 or whether you're 80. Being a babe is where you start. That's where you start. But it ain't where you stay. We raise our kids, and we watch our kids make mistakes. And good parents, they don't keep their kids from making all mistakes because that's the way kids learn. And sometimes you have to let them make a mistake. Maybe not a huge one, but you have to let them make mistakes. That's, that's how they grow up. But if they're making those same mistakes that they make at 16, if they're making them at 36, we have a problem. We have a problem. By now, you should have grown up by now. You haven't learned from those mistakes, we would say. And though you've grown up chronologically, you haven't grown up in maturity. That's what we would say to our kids. Christopher, can I tell a joke on you? What? Those sneakers? Oh, yeah, can I tell that? All right, all right, all right. Christopher's got a job. Christopher works hard. Christopher's conscientious, and he's done really well saving money. And uh, Sue takes, helps him with his paycheck, and he gives 10% to the Lord, and he saves half, and, and then he has half for spending. Well, do you know what I figured out he spent on the other day? He spent $240 on a pair of sneakers. Now, I've never spent $240 on a pair of sneakers in my life. $29.99, maybe. 
I like to get them Skechers, but they're $49.99. I don't want to pay it. Now listen. It's his own money. He can do what he wants to with it. I'm not, I'm not going to be such a control freak in his life that says he can't go spend his own money. I ain't buying them. But, but listen, can I tell you something that he doesn't understand right now? When he's 28, he won't be paying $240 for sneakers anymore because he would have grown up and he's got rent to pay and car insurance to pay. And if you're still paying, if you're still paying $204 for sneakers and doesn't have that kind of money, we got a maturity problem. Right now, hey, he's got money. I mean, he's, he's got, I mean, he doesn't have any bills. If we still make the same mistakes. So you're saying that him paying $240 for sneakers is a mistake? You're daggone right I do. <laughs> but I allow him to do that because he'll learn from that. Hopefully he will. <laughs> Next step's not automatic because if he's still spending $200 for sneakers when he's 30 years old and he's got bills to pay, then we have a problem. Rick Warren has written the second best-selling book of all of Christian authorship. The first would be the Bible. Rick Warren has written the second biggest-selling book, The Purpose Driven Life. And he says spiritual growth is not automatic. It takes an intentional commitment. You must want to grow, decide to grow, make an effort to grow, and persist in growing. Key word there, the first step, want to grow. It's just about choices. How many times have I said that over 11 years of preaching here? It's just about choices that we make. And can I tell you something else that really bugs me in the pastoral counseling room? Stuff people did with, for you or did to you or that held you back 10 years ago don't have to hold you back today. You can take a step. It may, it, may, it may be easier if they hadn't done that or said that. It may have been real easy if you had a better dad or a better mom. But what are you doing about it today? What step will you take today? Or are you still going to be bellyaching about this three, four, five years from now? See, I don't do good with bellyachers. I don't. And that's why I couldn't be a full-time counselor. Because here's your problem. Here's, here's what I see as an answer to it. Now do it. And when they don't do it, I just don't know what to do. Well, you know, if, if my dad hadn't, if, if my mom, and if, if, you know, if I had got a better education, if I had, there's always a step that you can take. No matter what has gone on in the past. And I'm not putting down bad things that have happened in the past. Don't hear me say that. But there's, what are you going to do about it now? You know what you're going to do about it? You're going to take a step. What step does God want you to take? Some of you are in tune enough with God's Holy Spirit that he's been talking to you about it for a while and you've been backing off of it. Some of you know what that next step is. I'll suggest some to these next weeks that I think are common denominator steps that all Christians need to take. But right now, what, what step is, 
does God want you to take? I want to tell you one more thing, then we're going to go. Can I tell you that next steps are taken together? Next steps are more easily taken together. You know, when I was a kid and used to do stupid stuff and go out and, and drink and everything, I never did that by myself. It's easier to do stuff when other people want to do it. Good stuff or bad stuff? That's why peer pressure is where it is. It's easier to do something when a bunch of other people are doing it. That could be good stuff or that could be bad stuff. I never once in my life have ever gone out and bought me a 12-pack of Budweiser and sat there and drank it by myself. Because it's more fun and it's easier when ever, the whole gang's in it. And it's the same thing for good stuff, too. Man, you, 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 you want to you wanna exercise and, and lose a bunch of weight and all that kind of stuff, and it's a lot easier if four or five of you are in on it together. Next steps are taken together. That's the importance of the body of Christ. I got, got an old boy that comes to Kinsey on Thursday nights, and I like him, and he likes me, and he's never come on Sunday morning. I always get on him about it. And, and he goes, do you tell me in the Bible where it says that you have to go to church to be a Christian? Well, of course, that's about the most stupid thing anybody could ever say but that shows you where they are. But, what, but you know why? But, but, but after all, it doesn't, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that you have to. But you tell me one Christian in your life that you've seen, that you had admired their faith and would like to be more like them, you think of that person, and I guarantee you, guarantee you, that person was affiliated with a local body of believers somewhere. What's happened, what's ha what happens to all those people that say, well, I never, you know, I never um, feel like, you know, it doesn't say in the Bible anywhere. What's happened to those people throughout the years? Uh, do they... Do they have glowing testimonies? Are they vibrant in their faith? Do they reproduce themselves with their kids? The answer to that is no, and you know it. Next steps are taken together. They're taken together. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. This is in the context of the church. The best place you learn to love people is in the body of Christ. Because you know what? We're a bunch of weirdos, man. I mean, we're different. Some of y'all disagree with me about stuff. I can't believe that. We all don't think alike. We don't dress alike. We don't like the same music. Best place to learn to love people is in the church. Where you're called to. Fifty-nine times in the Bible, there are one another's, meaning love one another, be merciful to one another, weep with one another. The best place to learn to one another, one another, is in the church of Jesus Christ. Next steps are more easily taken together. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. John says, whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother, now that, that would not be a, uh, a natural-born brother. 
that would be a, uh, in the context of the church, a brother and sister in Christ. Whoever says he loves God but hates his brothers is this flat-out lion. Now, that's what God says. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen, John says. Next steps are taken together. You know that. It's, it's easier to take a step with anything in life. You've got people there with you and people keeping you accountable, people encouraging you. You want to... You want to make it, take a step in your life? You want to have a New Year's resolution, whatever you want to call it? You know what you need to do? You need to tell somebody about it and ask them to keep you accountable. It'll happen then. But if you don't tell anybody about it, it's just between you and, and your little secret, yeah, no, probably, it'll probably drop off the wayside, like most New Year's resolutions do by January 17th. You know, they're gone. Because you don't have somebody calling you and said, hey, did you go out and exercise today? That's how you know if people are really serious about change in their life. Next steps are easier to be taken together. We learn to love one another in the body of Christ. Now, this is not a really good place to add this, but it goes better here than anywhere else. Um, Knowing information... Knowing is not the same as growing. Knowing something about the Christian life is not the same as growing in the Christian life. I have to know something, I have to choose, and then I will grow. There's a whole lot of people that know. You know, you, know, you can know every single book in the Bible. You can be a world champion children's quizzer. You can just know Bible trivia left and right. And be a baby, baby, baby Christian. If I had anything to do with Nazarene children's quizzing, I would change it all around to not to memorizing verses or to what does the verse say, to what is the application to the verse. How does it work in my life? Knowing is not the same as growing. You come here today and you take a few notes and you tweet something out, or, and that's really good, that's, that's, that's great, but you know, nothing will happen if you don't act on it. Knowing, you know what? I know that I need to lose 20 pounds. But you know what else? I'm probably not going to do anything about it. (laughs) I know I need to change my diet, and I drink too many McDonald's Cokes. I know I do. But I'm probably not going to do anything about it. Because it ain't got to do with knowing. It has to do with choosing. Has to do with choosing. Hmm. John tells us, he says, we know we have passed from life to death, from death to life, because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Friends, Christianity is a one another sport. It just is. And the best place to practice your sport of one anothering is in the body of Christ. And that doesn't mean just coming to church and walking out on the amen. You have to be a part, an active part of the body of Christ.
You know, we'll hear people say, well, I just want to love everybody. You hear liberals talk about it all the time. I love my fellow man. I love my fellow man. Well, what a bunch of, it's, just, it's crazy. Because you, you cannot generically love your fellow man. you got to love that person sitting right in front of you. Boy, it's easy for me to say, I want to love my fellow man. How nice that. Oh, don't you sound good? I pat myself on the back because I sound so good when I say that. I make myself feel so good about myself. I love my fellow man. But you know who's right in front of me? Jason Brunk is right in front of me. He goes to Kinsey. He just got evicted from his place. He's a hoarder. And I've told him for two weeks now to clean up his place so I can help him move it out. And he won't do it. He can't do it. I don't know what it is. God doesn't call me to love my fellow man. He calls me to love Jason Brunk. And it's a whole lot harder to love Jason Brunk than it is to love my fellow man. Francis Schaeffer, established Christian author of decades ago, and he wrote this, Christianity is not to love an abstraction, but to love the individual who stands before me in a person-to-person relationship. He must never be faceless to me, or I'm denying everything I say I believe. Love my fellow man, but I won't help Jason Brunk. Love my fellow man but I won't go help him pick up all the stuff that's in his apartment that is absolute junk, but it's all he's got in the world and it's important to him. Next steps aren't taken together, are taken together. They're taken together. And when you're part of the body of Christ, it's much easier to do what the Bible calls you to do in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And it says, you are to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Friends, there are no Lone Ranger Christians. There are no solo Christians. I assume if I'm stuck on a a deserted island and I'm the only person there, I'm assuming that God would give me the grace to be a Christian. But I ain't stuck on that island. And I don't know anybody that is. The Bible knows nothing of a Lone Ranger Christian. Nothing of a solo Christian. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. This is within the church. When he says brothers and sisters, he's not talking about family. He's talking about church. Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. I don't know what your next steps are, but they're better, better taken together. You know, the verse everybody goes to, I think it's 1025 of Hebrews that, you know, they say that's the verse that says you got to go to church. The only thing the writer says is do not neglect the gathering together. That's what it says. Okay. That means certainly something. It doesn't really mean that you got to be, got to go to church to be a Christian, but it's, it's, it's a warning there. Do not neglect the gathering together. And why do you not neglect it, you wonder? Because God's going to kick you out of, uh, of, of his heaven? Is, is, you know, is it you, you, don't, you don't neglect the gathering because, you know, you're going to just, you know, you'll, you won't be a Christian anymore? No. The verse goes, do not neglect the gathering together. Listen, 
that you may encourage one another. Do not neglect the gathering together because this is a one another sport. So I don't know where you are. But no matter where you are, you got a next step. And some of you are, well, I got so many next steps. I mean, there's so much that needs to change in my life. Okay, that's cool. Don't focus on all the things that need to change. Focus on one thing. God, would you help me with fill in the blank? Oh, I just get so overwhelmed because there's so much that God needs to do with that. Stop that. Stop it. Take one step. Many times I, I find that to be an excuse for people not to grow. Oh, there's just so much. There's so much. I don't I get overwhelmed when I think about it. Take one step. After you've taken that one, take another one. After you've taken that one, take another one. And after a year of taking steps, look where you are. Look where you are. So, as our servers come to the table, I ask you to, uh, to think about what that next step is. I don't know what it is. You do. And if you don't, Ask God. He'll make it plain to you. He'll make it plain to you. You probably won't hear an audible voice, but he'll, he'll make it plain to you. But I, it's, it's my stinking suspicion that you know what it is. There's something God's been wanting you to do, and you just haven't done it. You haven't got around to it. What is it? And you get inspired in moments like this and we sense God's spirit here and all that and, but then we leave and it kind of goes away. You've got to make a choice now. Decision. What is that next step going to be? I'll suggest some over the next four weeks. I'll suggest them to you, but I bet you know. Father, Whether um, I'm a one-year-old Christian or a 29-year-old Christian or a 75-year-old Christian, there are steps for me to take. There's more grace for me to get. There's, it's, there's deeper places that I can go. I can walk closer to you. I can become more mature. I can grow up more. Father, I pray that you'd help us right now as we're thinking about that and over this series. pray you'd help us to know that this is the way we grow as Christians. And it doesn't happen automatically. And they're a whole lot easier to be taken together. Help us to work that out. In Jesus' name. Our servers are ready for you. Our altars are open if you need to pray about that or something. You continue to worship here in these next few minutes.